Welcome to Rec Talks, a podcast dedicated to the ever-evolving world of rec tech and financial regulations. My name is Klaus Christensen, and I'm the CEO and co-founder of Know Your Customer. We're an award-winning rec tech provider specialized in corporate client onboarding, KYC, and anti-money laundering compliance. Today, it is my pleasure to welcome Julian Dixon as my guest. Julian is the CEO of Napier. He has more than 20 years of financial services experience gained at major investment banks, including Deutsche Bank, JP Morgan, and Commerzbank. His roles have ranged from front office sales leadership to private equity, giving him a unique perspective on financial services processes and technology. Julian, thank you so much for being here. It's a pleasure. Um, thank you, Klaus. So let's jump right in. From your perspective, what role does artificial intelligence play in transaction monitoring? That's a, a really interesting question because from a vendor point of view, we might have a different response to a buyer point of view. You know, the regulations don't require you to use artificial intelligence, but we see that the future, not just of the financial services industry, but of all industries, are heavily baked in, in, in technology and you know, artificial intelligence and machine learning is actually something that is is talked about a lot and has been talked about a lot for the last, what, four or five years. You probably get the same thing. I mean, the first question we got three, four years ago was, have you got artificial intelligence? And that was the only thing they wanted to know. Now, that's changed somewhat, actually, to if you have artificial intelligence, does it actually work? At Napier, you know, we, we knew that artificial intelligence would get bigger and bigger within this industry. And, and actually, it's baked into our platform. And we've got R&D coming out of um, universities in Europe. Um, and we have a, a big data science team. And we're always looking at ways in which we can make the lives of our clients better. Three areas I would highlight that would be useful to everybody in transaction monitoring is we've got something called adaptive profiling which will give you unknown unknowns. Unknown unknowns are the bane of the industry. We all know as analysts what we're looking for, and money launderers know what we're looking for in them. It's the unknown unknowns that are, are the things that get people into trouble because you don't know what you're looking for. You don't know what they're doing. So we've got algorithms and artificial intelligence and machine learning that will look at unknown unknowns. The other thing, um, interestingly, that we found is AI triaging. So this isn't doing anything fancy around detecting things. It's more around the setting up for the analyst their day's work, saying you should be looking at these alerts first. If you look at these alerts first, your success rate is going to be better than if you look at these alerts. So it looks at all the alerts and comes up with scores and orders them and actually helps you set out your day's work so you can be more successful with your with your time. And then perhaps the, the final thing is segmentation, which is the, the challenging of static segments. So when Klaus Christensen is onboarded at a bank, he is defined as you know a CEO, paid probably several million pounds a year, um, and that's his profile forever. But you know those segments can change. Klaus Christensen can become more successful, or perhaps he may retire and then get a pension. So having dynamic segmentation to look at the changing segments, which then feeds in to the risk profiling and the view of the behavioral analytics of the client becomes very important in transaction monitoring. That's very interesting. I actually totally agree that the, the buzz about AI is overdone and we, we now enter a phase where 
as technology companies will just get down to it and actually use the things correctly and not just put that out as a marketing device. Oh yeah, we use AI and it has to do something worthwhile. And my next question would be about the state of transaction monitoring technology there. What needs to be done differently in your opinion? More specifically, are systems based on traditional thresholds and scenarios obsolete now? I think they do still have their their purpose within within the environment. Now, you know, we are we are all mandated by the regulator to do certain things. And in fact, you can do those things by using a rules-based system. Now we see as we move forward, rules-based systems aren't actually perhaps achieving what we want. So we start to use AI to do things like find the unknown unknowns. Uh, to make um, to make it more efficient and less work, but the reality is is that your your system should be reflecting your policies and procedures, your risk policies and procedures. And if you have a risk policy that says anything from country X over one million dollars, you need to look at it. You don't need AI for that. You just need a rule. So I think I think rules based systems will always have um, its place. I do think over time they will be augmented and enhanced with AI. Um, I think we need to be careful that the AI doesn't take over. I, you always have to have human intervention, certainly on a regular basis, to make sure the AI stays tuned and doesn't stray from its mandate. But it still always has to be somewhat aligned to the policies and procedures of the organisation, which, of course, really is set at the C-suite and reflects the risk appetite of the said organization within their regulatory framework. So to answer your question is, yes, they do have a place, but I do think that having AI moving forward is where the industry is going and where it should be going. So is it more a spectrum where decisions and tasks and, and jobs that are closely aligned with the risk policy would be best served with actually more traditional systems with uh, rules-based systems? And then there's on top of that, there's additional things that go further where we might use AI? I think that's where we are today. Going forward, I think it would be great if the policies and procedures could actually start to reflect the technology um, more uh, in a more closely aligned way so that we can start reflecting policies and procedures that have understanding and recognition of AI and what it can bring to the table. So the policy and procedure could say, for instance, use adaptive profiling algorithms over, over this kind of data. The risk committees, the, the regulators, they need to understand that AI does have its uses. So that needs to be reflected going forward in the policies and procedures. We're not quite there yet, but I do think we'll get there. That opens up uh, two additional questions from, from my side. One question would be, how do regulators currently react to this new reality of AI being used in very important decisions? And the other one uh, related to that would be, have you encountered challenges to the AIs, like real problems? To answer the first question about regulators, and you probably know this as well, regulators move at different speeds. So, you know, famously, mass is very advanced in this. And the US regulators also came out with legislation, I think, probably about 18 months ago now, saying that you could start to use historical data, real historical data, to test your AI models and there would be no punitive action for retrospective things that the AI found, therefore encouraging 
uh, financial organizations to start testing the AI technology in, in a real way. The, the FCA, I believe, is setting up within its financial crime area a data science section so that they get a greater understanding of how the technology works and therefore how it can be applied. And more importantly, when they do audits, they can actually begin to understand what's going on because the prime problem that we encounter, which our clients encounter, is, is of course, you have to have explainability. You can't just say the machine said that. So, so which is why, you know, we always believe there is a, a machine and human piece here and the machines that, that we have have got that explainability and simple kind of UI experience so that the analysts can understand what, what the algorithms and the machine learning has found, explain it in English, and therefore they can begin their investigations. And when they get audited, everything is explainable. So the FCA, I think, takes a, a real big lead from the tier ones. The tier one banks have typically had the larger budgets to have these bigger programs. And I think the FCA has taken a real good look at some of those. So they are beginning to get a much greater knowledge and understanding, recognition and acceptance. And I think they're working on on having their own teams internally to skill themselves up as well. The second question, the, the challenges is the explainability, but also the application of AI. One of the problems around AI, when we go and talk to customers is they don't really know what they want the AI to do. You know, if you're doing a program of work, we've got a team of data scientists. Is you know, everyone's used to the old way of working, i.e., static-based rules. And and when you come in and talk about AI, and people read widely about AI, so they can imagine what it can do and can't do, and they they're all got pre preconcepted ideas. But when you actually say, you know, you've got a whole bunch of data, what is it you're trying to do? Actually, getting that down is quite difficult. Once we get an understanding of what our clients are looking for, then we can start, you know, building that um, and using the data to build the models to do that. While you spoke, was thinking about what will a system that uh, uses the Napier platform think about Klaus? Because I have changed my behavior a good few times in the past. That's an interesting comment, Klaus, because, you know, we have deployed this into tier ones and actually... It's a really good place for compliance in the front office to be sharing a system because the account managers really love the technology because they can they can see the accounts in real time, what the accounts are trading in, where they are focused on, and it really helps them manage the accounts as well. It really brings front and back office together with the same piece of software in a, I think, a very constructive and um, progressive way, you know, business business enabling as well as uh, compliance enhancing. That is, again, a similar approach that we have. The best value is really delivered to our clients. If our products don't just solve the narrow problem of AML compliance, but go beyond that and help them with a real business. Based on your experience, where in the world, if we go a little broader here, are some of the most interesting reg tech and AI applications in financial services? And what elements are fostering a favorable environment for those? Well, I mean, I, I hate to be slightly obvious, but I think London, Singapore, the US, less so, I think. Um, I think they are, they, they are a little bit behind, but I think the US in general is really interested in 
in having a look at some of the reg tech that's coming out of Europe. And then across Europe as well, you know, there are not just reg tech, but tech hubs going on, Berlin, Amsterdam, Paris. But I think London particularly lends itself to reg tech because of its location with the city of London. I mean, I think that's that's something that has been a real boon to us. Before COVID times, I got asked to go to a client meeting five minutes before the client meeting. And I was a bit annoyed till they told me it was in the building right next door to where we were. And, and it literally was just walking, walking out and going, knocking on the door of the next building. So having that proximity to those clients enables reg tech and fintechs to, to be an environment that can thrive. And there's also an investor community there as well that's on your doorstep. I'm, I'm not saying that doesn't exist elsewhere because it definitely does. Uh, you know, Paris, Frankfurt, Amsterdam have got banking communities. It's just it's bigger in London. And also getting investment in London is a magnet and a center for that as well. I would agree on that one. Uh, London is is extremely strong with investments. Uh, we've seen that in our own raisings, and uh, we've I've spoken personally to a lot of London-based investors. Uh, that is a hotbed for for this, especially for fintech. I don't want to leave any of your listeners globally gnashing their teeth thinking I've forgotten them. So I'll call out Canada, Australia as well. We see competitors from those arenas and mainland Europe, but. But London, Dublin, Amsterdam, Paris, Berlin in particular. I would actually add both the global financial center number three and four in, in Hong Kong and Singapore to this. Yeah. What I found is the regulators are really pushing now. MAS, as you, as you said before, is doing a lot of things. And uh, in December, the Hong Kong regulator, HKMA and, and uh, yes, the CSE there as well, both pushed out multiple circulars around RegTech. There's a new initiative in Hong Kong from the HKMA, from the regulator, a two-year plan to push adoption of RegTech. Okay, final questions. And I ask them to every one of my guests. If tomorrow you woke up and somehow you had become the global financial regulator, what would be the first thing you would change? And of course, why? Wow, that's, that's quite a big question. Global financial regulator. There's so many things that you would want to change, but um, I don't know, in the, in the UK, and I, and I guess listeners all over the world have something different with cars, that every year you've got a car, you have to have, to have it tested to see if it's fit for purpose. And we're also seeing, and I, I'm just using cars as a metaphor, obviously, cars, they have to get more efficient over time, don't they? And if, if they're not more efficient, they become, they get taxed more. So I actually think it would be great that a global regulator has some kind of equivalence, an MOT, attacks on systems that are older, less efficient, and, and therefore the banks are incentivized to keep their technology with pace, with the global technology things, but actually more importantly with the uh, money launderers, because you know as well as I do, Klaus, the money launderers have no uh, budget, they have no limitations to talent, They have no rules. They don't have to build tech and go and sell it. And if they don't sell it, they fail. They are there building tech every day of every week of every year that will infiltrate the systems that we have. And, and unless we use advanced technology for the good guys, you know, fighting that becomes an ever, an ever more difficult war that we're in. So I think the regulators need, need to take a serious look at in some way 
mandating regular technology updates. Love it. Keeping pace with what happens outside and on the other side, more to it on the money launderer side, is essential and is a good thing for all of us. Nobody wants dark money in the system and nobody wants to support crime. And if we make it mandatory and nudge the industry to upgrade their systems to better systems, I think uh, that would help everybody. Julian, thanks so much. Thank you. This has been fun. This was a great interview. Total pleasure, Clark. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Rec Talks. My name is Klaus Christensen, and I'm the CEO and co-founder of award-winning RecTech provider, Know Your Customer. If you liked the episode, please subscribe to the whole series and leave us a review. And if you'd like to connect with us, suggest a guest or a topic for an upcoming episode, please send us a message at info at knowyourcustomer.com or visit knowyourcustomer.com slash rectalks.